What do you think? I think we're dead meat. Real dead meat. You're dead meat! Go ahead and laugh, you guys. If I ever find a little bastard, it's business. Dead meat. Welcome to the Dead Meat Podcast, your horror safe haven. I'm Chelsea. And I'm James, and we're engaged for a little bit longer, and we like to get scared together. Oh my gosh, I just realized it's is next week the last time that... Yeah, that will say that. It feels really weird to say that. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah, we're getting, I guess, some housekeeping while we're talking about sure. it up top. Uh we're getting married next month. Yeah, so, seven weeks out. Yeah, so we have one more podcast next week, and then both of us are off till the end of January. No. Kill I, counts are off. Kill counts are through December. They go oh, all the way up right. to December yes. 31st. Okay. Yeah. Lucky me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, podcasts don't. I'm taking the end of December off. Good. So only one more left this year, and then the podcast will be back in February. And I'm going to be moving them to an every other week release schedule because as it is now every week, like I, I want to do more of the episodes that I feel like I had more energy, like time and energy for towards the beginning of the podcast where they were really, really dense and research heavy. I still try to do those every once in a while, but they kind of kill me because there's so much work and having like kind of just a week it just it's hard to kind of make it yeah all fit. and i sometimes i wonder like how did we do it in the beginning like the in-depth podcast and i was doing two kill but like both shows have evolved over time and then both our like lives are just so different we have so much more business stuff to do the house is way more work than the apartment yeah, yeah. like and and right now obviously lots of wedding stuff going on so it's yeah. just it, things are different and yeah. to give the same quality we've got to adjust things on our end Hopefully you understand. Yeah, it just has started to feel like trying to get a podcast out every week is like constantly like uh, getting to it's, it feels like I'm about to fall off the treadmill a little mm -hmm. bit every week where I have to come up with like I feel like I finished something and I'm like, oh, shit, I have to get something else out now. And it's a lot. So I want to be able to keep doing stuff that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. But yeah, podcast will still be around even mm -hmm. when James is taking off time for the kill count. Yes, yeah. taking time away from kill counts. So. If, you haven't, if you don't know what we're talking about, just watch the video that came out on Friday, the release schedule for December in 2022. Picture yeah. of me and Zorn in the thumbnail. Hoping like next week, since it's the last one for the year and the last one for a while, we can do something really stupid and fun. I'm still hoping for a paranormal pool party. <gasps> Do we dare? I hope As so. As the last one for like a month and a half. Let us know if you guys would like that or if you want us to do like a holiday themed bullshit Up episode. to you. But I feel like Paranormal Pool Party is an iconic era of the podcast. It is, yeah. People loved it. And I've heard good things about the new Paranormal Activity that we still I really haven't watched. Watch it. And we have a hot tub with lights in it. That's true. We, we can actually do a Paranormal Pool Party for real though. Yeah. Outside <laughs> in a pool. So we'll see. Let us know your thoughts and feelings. And everyone's just going to say, do what you want. And then I'm going to have a crisis about it. Okay. Anyway, this week, though, I'm doing what I want. <laughs> because I've been wanting to cover this movie for so long. And I've gotten also enough requests for it that I felt like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm finally just going to do it. We're talking about Ravenous from 1999. And the I mean, the big reason I wanted to do this is because it's a horror movie that was scored in part by Damon Albarn, which is the coolest thing. I He's like my number one person, kind of. Like the person if I met, I would kind of lose my mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone's got like that one, I don't know, celebrity or person that they just like is on like another tier for them. That's Damon Albarn. I think he's a genius. Like my favorite band of all time is gorillas a lot of people think that there's that thing next to you on the set james oh, yeah. a lot of people have thought that that's a reference to i think was it one piece people think it's like an anime thing yeah no, it's that's not <laughs> it is like the most deep cut gorillas reference ever i found it on etsy it is a recreation of god this is like this is like how not so of a fan i am back in like the 2000s gorillas had an interactive website and that is like a recreation of one of the things hanging on the wall on the website. It's a key holder that was in 
Murdoch's Winnebago. And that over there is my Winnebago. You know, it's got four skulls on it. Three of them have hats. I feel real bad for the third skull here. He doesn't here. get a hat. He He's just chilling. I think that's why people think it's a reference to this anime, because it's a skull with a hat. It does look similar. I googled it. But okay. no. Anyway, Damon Albarn is kind of the dream guest for this podcast as well. Horror composer Damon Albarn. <laughs> Technically, because of this movie. You know, for sure. I would love to talk to him about this, because the soundtrack of this is absolutely wild. Like... It really lends itself to how tonally weird this thing is. This is a weird fucking movie, dude. <laughs> it's super weird. One, this movie I'd never heard of before we dug it up because of Damon's work on it. Uh, it's, I'm not surprised that it did so poorly. It made $2 million on a $12 million budget. Oof. That's bad. That's not and great. And I'm not surprised I've never fucking heard of it before. It's weird. It's it, really weird. Yeah. It's it's one of the more unique films I can say that we've watched. I think like watching it because all I knew going into it was the score and I, I had done a quick Google and saw it had like a 40 something Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes and was like, all right, that's, you know, let's give it a shot because often, you know, we have we have a theory. I, I think it's 49. So it like, like it's like right there in the middle. 50. Which yeah. often when I see like a 40s to like low 60s score, I'm like. You know, because it's not bad enough to be fun, but not good enough to be watchable kind of middle ground. But this, I feel, was maybe unfairly uh, rated. I think this is a really cool movie. (laughs) I enjoyed it a lot. I liked it. I liked how unique it was. Uh, It is a, I mean, Wikipedia describes it as a horror Western cannibal film. And I've also seen it described as a comedy I think it's got some dark comedy. The tone is all over the fucking place, dude. It is just weird. I mean, the cast, you got David Arquette in a role. Yeah, David Arquette. Pretty minor role, even though by 1999, David Arquette is a well-known commodity. Uh Uh-huh. Minor role. You got Jeffrey Jones. It was the opening (laughs) credits of this. We were kind of like cheering at some of the names. Like, oh, Guy Pearce, cool. Yay. Uh, Oh, David Arquette. Yay. Jeffrey Jones man <laughs> robert carlisle oh cool you know it's just it's always a, a bummer when jeffrey jones is there to show up uh, if you're not familiar jeffrey jones uh pedophile child porn it was it it was all the greatest hits was it also pedophile like actions or was it just the child i'm porn? literally looking that up uh, he, in now. 2003 jones pleaded no contest to a charge of soliciting a minor okay, yeah. to pose for nude photographs and then had subsequent arrests for failing to update his sex offender status. Yeah, so fuck that guy, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I, I did also look to see, because I wasn't sure when that happened. I was like, oh, is this movie after that? No, this is like getting in under the No, war. Deadwood is after that. He's, he really? was on a roll in Deadwood in the, in the 2004 to 2006 series and Deadwood the movie 2019. Like he, they had him come back. I'm for surprised I didn't hear more of a. a I remember when the movie came out, hearing that. hearing about it. Like what they're really bringing him back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's Rooney and and Ferris Bueller. He's yeah. Charles Dietz and Beetlejuice, he's and he's the Emperor in, in Amadeus. Amadeus. And it sucks because all of those roles I love. I think good performances. He's so funny. He's in good in this everything. too. He's very funny in but this he's a piece of shit. Like. I mean, he has one of, like, in Amadeus, his, like, too many notes is, like, one of the funniest scenes in that movie. It sucks, man. What's nice is, as an actor, <laughs> and he, if we rent or whatever, he's not getting any fucking... No, He's not no, getting no. any back-end but. percentage points on these movies. So, this is an easy one to separate art from artist. Fuck that guy. Like his performances. I know. So, I, I like his performances. Hope he does, never works again. <laughs> yeah. It's it's always a weird... I, I think, you know, like, separating art from the artist is a... Difficult conversation. There's no right answer, honestly, because I think it also so depends on like what's your personal connection to it's a, a case thing. By case and basis, it's so always. yeah, it just it sucks. And yeah. it sucks that it's like this person did the bad thing and we all have to kind of, you know, as yeah, that's hope. on us. Yeah, that's on us. <laughs> like, as uh, thinking of ourselves as better people than having to work around this weird moral framework of accommodating for that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But, anyway. Okay. Ravenous. Um, otherwise, the production sounds like a fucking mess. It sounds like a nightmare. Because I, I didn't realize that the director of this, um, Antonia Bird, directed Credited by a director, yeah. Yeah, directed by a woman, which is cool. 
uh, she was brought in after two other directors. Yeah. <laughs> the first one who, like, helmed the movie and shot for, what, two weeks or, like, substantially. A while, yeah. And then was replaced by this, this uh, producer, maybe from the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and all the cast was like, no. Yeah, they were they replaced out. the original director with someone else, and the cast was like, no, fuck this second guy. And then Robert, Robert Carlyle, Carlyle suggested and does a great job in this movie. I, he's he's having so much fun in this. I yeah. love when an, an actor actress is having the best time of their lives. And clearly that's happening here. And I think it's also because he had this relationship with the director already because he and Antonia Bird had worked on a movie prior to this. I forget uh, which movie it was, but she had directed him before. And so he brought her up. Um, as a as a potential as a replacement, so that's why she came in. Weirdly enough, she passed away. I she think in did, her sixties. Yeah. As did the producer who worked on this. Who uh, she was a big time producer. She worked on like Spider Man movies and shit. Oh wow. Uh, Laura Ziskin. She also passed yeah. away in her sixties. Like weird. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm wondering if the change in directors has to do uh, like is any influence on the weird disjointed tone maybe and also it sounds like every single director because antonio bird in interviews afterwards was like i don't blame any mm-hmm. of the prior directors for having issues with this because the studio was weird about and she was like too. in a lot of the movie i didn't do right. or, or like it wasn't how I, it didn't end up how i expected so it sounds like studio interference and messing with it which i mean not necessarily bad again we said we like this movie yeah but it's it's messy tonally and it sounds like a mess shooting it yeah i did also see when i was looking at antonia bird's filmography that her film prior to this i think i think the one she did with uh robert carlisle also was damon alburn's acting debut what which i really want to go watch oh i bet he looks like a baby i bet he is like such he's like Blur. Like beautiful anime boy Damon. Yeah. Like nineties blur. blur. Yes. Ravenous. 1840s. Mexican American War. Yeah, everyone's favorite war. There's like some victory. The troops are being treated to just giant slabs of nasty looking meat. Yeah, Guy Pierce plays uh Captain Boyd who just got a promotion for winning that battle, but he won it by being a coward. What yeah. he did was I'm sorry, he won it by being smart and resourceful. Here, <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna criticize anyone who does <laughs> anything in a war, because fuck that, I'm not doing it. Thank you for you doing it instead. But he he's an officer on the field. His men are dying, calling out for help. He just collapses on the ground and plays dead. And they put him on a pile with other bodies and they they cart it behind enemy lines and that's when he decides to get up and he takes over the base just by like threatening the the mexican mexican commanders there yeah and so he gets promoted but then they're also like but you're also a coward so we're sending you to california and it sucks in california in 1840s yeah this fort specifically yeah basically just like we're glad you won but you're also a giant pussy so we're sending you away yeah they're like we can't we can't execute you like we want to because it would look bad since you took this fort but we're sending you to California. I don't, like, he, I'm sorry, he, he won. But you don't want to put him in another battle where that kind of action might not pay well, off the same way. Well, then you just let him, like, quietly retire. <laughs> I don't think the military does that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I do like how in the beginning, yeah, they're having this big steak dinner, very big bloody steaks, it's and disgusting. it's triggering his PTSD. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, war PTSD in this movie, which I think is really interesting like there's a lot going on in this a lot Mm -hmm. of layers and things to kind of dissect and analyze which is really neat and it definitely has this like like this movie um is not a glamorous uh take on war at all it is just like i mean it sees war as what it is it's just like throwing meat at other meat and just you know it's hoping your meat wins yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it's all very gross and yeah so he just he just th- runs out and throws up and the title cards over him throwing <laughs> yeah, up right. and it's pretty great yeah I, I don't think the movie really judges him for his no actions i think there. well he's definitely the the protagonist yeah. i think i think the movie has a lot of empathy like concerning his like ambiguous um win and if that means is he a coward or is he just human yeah and that kind of ties into what he ends up facing later with his choice of do i become a cannibal or do i do the right thing and just kind of let myself slowly die because i'm not you know being nourished by human stew anymore (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, he's sent to a California fort that is just a rundown. Looks like shit, yeah, man. it's a piece of shit. You don't want to live here. Frontier America mm-hmm. just always looks like the fucking worst place ever. It somehow looks worse than like any like medieval town on film. I honestly would rather live in like a weird medieval like like well, the town the in the beginning towns, of Braveheart. <laughs> because the medieval towns are like established places. They may be small and primitive, but people have been there for generations. That's true. They have some semblance of infrastructure. Yeah. Maybe? Whereas Frontier America is like, let's just head over the mountains into this wilderness. There's some water here and we'll build these like buildings out of sticks yeah and yeah <laughs> and and america is big yeah there's just no one you around. can't just like yeah go back for help real fast like mm-hmm. you're fucked if things go wrong yeah and you're not familiar with the which landscape. this movie leans on when yeah. we get to uh like how uh, just how big america and yeah just how treacherous the landscape can be because there is a lot of i mean it's pretty uh i think pretty Obviously, a reference to the Donner Party. Yes, you know? Donner Party, and the Wikipedia mentioned this guy Alfred Packer. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with his story? I'm not. Maybe Colorado cannibal, uh, oh. but also just another frontier wilderness guy who ended up getting snowed in with other people, ate him. Yes. Oh my God. No, I do. Uh, you know this guy? Yes. I literally looked this up, and as soon as I saw like the illustration, yeah, I, yeah, I with know. his little cap. Yeah, I know this guy. Yeah. So, yeah, he's sent to this fort where Jeffrey Jones is the guy in charge. He plays Lieutenant uh, Hale. Hart, I think. Hart, yeah. It honestly, like like I was saying, I think all, like, frontier forts on film look like the worst places ever. Like, I think of, like, Hateful Eight, it just seems like mm. it sucks. All the, the stuff in The Revenant. Yeah, it's just all very cold, mm-hmm. and everyone's mad and cranky because it's so cold. Yeah. and But th- you know what? As... as much as it would suck, I feel like they have fun here. Yeah. Kind of. Jeffrey Jones even is like, we, we have fun. We're what? cool. We, we each have our own little weird quirks. And there's even like a, I don't know, I just thought of like a high school movie where it's like, there's the weird guy who bathes in the river outside. And there's the drunk guy. And the there's David Arquette. Yeah. <laughs> he smokes all, weed. <laughs> they're introduced in a montage, which is part of the tones, or the movie's like lighter tone. It's a very pretty funny montage and like you said there's a a soldier guy uh right right who's like yeah bathing in the river and just screaming with his bare chest immediately like that guy because of that, that. Guy, yeah david arquette plays another private who just gets high with the uh their their native members yeah george and martha which <laughs> clearly not their real names i actually was curious that those actors were native they are mm-hmm. and they uh, are speaking according to the internet i don't know if this is it's the only thing i could find telling me what language they're speaking they're uh washo i think okay because didn't it say that the actor playing george uh is a pueblo He's pueblo yes. yeah. yeah but i think they they're he Joseph Running Fox. I think they're speaking Washoe, and it makes sense. I was Googling where the Washoe, like, live, and it is, like, Northern California, kind of. Okay. Like that. So, like, it makes sense. Yeah, so, so I, I love David Arquette's relationship with them, because clearly... They're just he, stoner friends. They're stoner friends, and then even after George is killed, him and Martha, David Arquette and they Martha are, like... close. Yeah, yeah. close, hanging out together. So there's that, like, nice attention to detail there. Yeah. You get like a sense of the dynamic between all of them, which is cool. Just the way they block stuff in this. You can tell who's friends with who. There is also Jeremy Davies playing uh, Toffler, another private, but he's like the chaplain or the, the religious man yeah. uh, who everyone's just like, eh, yeah, he's, he's the religious guy, whatever. I'm like, uh, now we pray. Toffler, you're in. Yeah, okay, Toffler. Yeah, uh, Jeremy it. Davis, I know from Lost, is Daniel Faraday, probably best known for Saving Private Ryan, where he plays a an infamous coward, and he's kind of the same role here. He's good at playing those roles. The, mm. like the, just the, you know, kind of weak-willed guy who does not rise to the occasion when called for. Sure. <laughs> Which is also what he does here. And then uh, there's also a drunk major, Major Knox. He's who's the just doctor very drunk. also, isn't he? He's the self-proclaimed doctor and he would be second in command. It would go uh, Lieutenant Hart, Major Knox, and now Captain Boyd, Guy Pierce. Oh, okay, I see. Yes, Guy Pierce. I know him. I know he is in movies that I watch. <laughs> the most generic, attractive face. Guy I Pierce. have ever seen. He is very. He's in what? L.A. Confidential. 
Australian, right? I just always know him. He's Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yep, yep. He, in my mind, Guy Pierce is a drag queen. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Memento. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe I should give Memento another watch and that maybe... Would make I his... think that maybe made him kind of... I mean, no, I'm not sure actually what made him. Because I know when he was in this, he was not really a name mm-hmm. and that was another oh, reason yeah. the studios were like kind of freaked out by this movie which is really weird in retrospect yeah but yeah okay so yeah they're living their lives at this fort it's you know kind of sucks but uh i like the little montage and yeah there's a lot of the comedy early on here that i think the movie forgets about in its middle half and then it kind of comes it back does in the end come back yeah but honestly the <laughs> i think the comedy doesn't work for the most part I don't need this movie to be super serious. Uh, It can have some lightheartedness to it. But some of the comedy, I feel, stands out too much. And I'm sorry, hon. The music is often very fucking weird. It is weird, but I love it. There is one point that we'll talk about when we get to it where I think the music pretty much ruins the sequence. What? Okay, I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I think it just... It adds to like how uncomfortable the entire thing is. Sometimes it's kind and of a last a good house thing on the left it. thing where it's mm. like, what is this music? This doesn't make any fucking sense, but also it makes you feel like deeply unsettled. Yeah. Sometimes some of the tracks I like. Listen, the track that plays at the end when the movie it's ends. So good. Love it. It's so good. Like, as it's, like, zooming out and going Listen, to credits. Listen, man, great. Damon, Damon has fun sometimes. I just think <laughs> Would it's, you say this is right after, like, Song 2? Yeah, that's, like the, that's kind of the wildest thing to me is, like, so Song 2, because Damon's also, so Blur is, like, what he was primarily known for. Um, like, I'm a fan of him because I love Gorillaz so fucking much. But I love Blur 2. Blur's, like, just Britpop, the, like, I mean, Blur versus uh, Oasis. Oasis. Yeah. Gotta pick one. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so like 97 would have been, yeah, song two, which is woohoo, like everyone knows that song. I feel like so then he's going and doing this in 1999. I think he was, this is like him starting to really want to experiment. Wait, when was song two? 97. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is, so I think this is him already just like getting fed up, I think, with the box. Maybe he felt put in by Britpop a little bit and just mm-hmm. wanting to expand and do other stuff and i mean at this point in his career like now he has collaborated with like everyone in music and like every maybe probably a person from like every country on this planet (laughs) he has such like a crazy breadth of like styles and collabs that's why i like him so much but you can tell like this movie he's getting a little weird with it and having fun i also <laughs> wrote around this point the editing is manic it is and it feels like the it's trying to catch up with itself yeah. like if you watch i don't know if we're gonna have that many clips in here but there are just like scenes i think around the dinner table that first night where they're all together where it's just like cut 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 it's like there's an inexperienced technical director running a tv like show like a live show yeah, yeah running a live show where they're like cam a no cam b no cam c no cam a and like i like movies with uh, large casts of well-defined characters, which this has, as, and like we said, where the relationships between them are clear, that happens here, even though it's not explicitly spelled out, they give you enough to, like, give you a sense that it's real. Like, these people are yeah. really here. And even if you're not getting, like, an explicit, like, this guy is friends with this guy, it's just the way that they all interact and, like, the chemistry between the performers, you instantly understand, at least the dynamic between everyone if not the explicit relationships which is really cool yeah Yeah. so david arquette and martha are sent off on a trip to town to buy you know your basics bacon salt weed yeah they're the marion pippin of this (laughs) i guess no he would be that'd be him and george they're just smoking weed in the beginning. Sure. But David Arquette's definitely Pippin. I, I bring up Lord of the Rings because there's, sh- there's shots in this where they venture out into the mountains and I'm like, it just looks like Lord of the Rings. There's like enough of them Jeffrey too. Jeffrey Jones is Gandalf. Yeah, Je- Jeffrey Jones is dead. He even has like a walking stick and there's a blonde guy and he's Legolas, obviously. <laughs> it just all makes way too much sense. Yeah, so they're gone when that night... 
another guy shows There's up. There's a guy. Cole Coon. Cole Hoon? Cole Hoon. Cole Hoon, yeah. I think it's a silent Q. <laughs> yeah, there's a silent Q. Yeah, Cole Hoon. He shows up, collapses, he's naked, he's famished. He's been out in the wilderness for three months, he says, when he comes through. Yeah, he's Aragorn. Yeah, okay. He's there we go. He's the scraggly, <laughs> mysterious stranger who's, like, pretty sexy, you know? <laughs> he's played by Robert Carlyle, a Scottish actor. His character is also Scottish. So he's, you know, unconscious for a while. This is when it's like, well, all we can do is pray. Toffler, you're up. They put him in the coziest looking bed I've ever seen. That's first, when well, he first sh- it's a hot bath. Yeah, hot, where they're all scrubbing him and they're trying to, I mean, I know it's like they're trying to basically bring him back to life, but it also looks really nice because yeah. he's getting all like scrubbed it looks like a warm it's like, a it's spa like day. one of those like it's like a red dead redemption tub where it's like huge and it looks so fucking comfy. like they boil the water and then pour, they it, pour in. it in oh yeah, yeah rub his body down and then they wrap him up in furs in a bed right next to a fire it looks so looks real nice cozy. <laughs> so he he comes to he wakes up and he tells them that he was out there for three months mm-hmm. with no food with no food and then he he goes into a story where we get like some flashes of a depiction. Yeah, we get a little bit of a flashback. Yeah, he said he was led by a guy named Lieutenant Ives or Colonel, Colonel Ives. Ives. I'm sorry, who he said uh, they, was a real piece of shit. Yeah, they left in April to I don't know it, I forget if it were uh, they left from but somewhere back east to come west mm-hmm. through the Sierra Nevadas. And Colonel Ives says, guys, I know a shortcut. Now, if you know anything about uh, early American history, if someone tells you they have a shortcut through the Sierra Nevadas or any other mountain range, don't do They don't. Like, Maybe they take sh- the long way. Take the long way. I promise they don't have a shortcut or they are making up a shortcut to sell brochures, which I think is what happened with the Donner Party. Oh, yeah? Dude, it literally was a guy who was like, <laughs> hey, buy my tour guides, my tour guide books, because I know a special route. And he didn't. Wow. I'm pretty sure that's kind of how it happened. It's fucked. So, yep, they they decide to take this shortcut and, oh, wouldn't you know it, it sucks. <laughs> yep, they get trapped and have to retreat to a cave as the winter sets upon them. And then they're just in this cave for months. They eat the oxen. They eat the horses. They eat their shoes. They and eat the dog. They the dog, dog yep. Them. And then one of them dies from malnourishment. And they start eating him. Yeah. And then uh, he says that Colonel Ives began to go crazy with hunger and started to actually kill some of the people there to eat them. Yeah, because he says that after they ate this first person, they got hungry again, but this time it was different. Yeah. It was different hunger. And Ives just had to eat people, so it came down to Colonel Ives, Calhoun, and a, a woman who was with them, the wife of another traveler, and he was like, I know it would have been more noble to stay there and protect her, but I got the fuck out of there. Yeah. And so he says that, and uh, Jeffrey Jones is like, well, if there's a chance of her still being alive, then we got to go back and save her. That's our job. It's our job. It's our job, because <laughs> it's my job. Hey, last thing before we get back to the show, I just want to say how much we appreciate all the comments and feedback that we get from you guys. We'd love to learn more about you and what you're into so we can make creative choices and choose sponsors that are more relevant to you. Therefore, we have a survey set up that we'd love for you to participate in. The link is in the description of this episode, or you can visit https colon slash slash bit.ly slash deadmeatfeedback. Thank you guys so, so much. And back to the show. Oh, man, he really came in and just preyed on their goodwill, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like he instantly got the sense, like, everyone here seems, like, pretty stand-up. I'm just going to exploit that yeah. and tell them, like, this poor woman is stranded there. I wonder if... No, she did exist, I think. Yes, she did. But I was wondering, like, wait, did she even exist? Or did he just invent her as, like, a... I assume, yeah, he just took the details of reality and just changed a few of them to match this story that turns out is not true. So this guy, you know, he's all run ragged. He's like scared and and just uh, a shell of a man, really. Yeah. During their expedition out. So everyone sets out to go there except for who do they leave behind? Uh, Knox, who is always drunk. Knox and I think... Martha. Well, Martha and David Arquette are oh, still gone. Oh, that's right. They they're still gone. So yes. yeah, they leave Knox behind, Knox, and everyone he's else. Drunk, yeah. yeah, and everyone else heads and, out. Yeah, while they're on their way, I believe George explains the the myth of the Wendigo. Which, yes, that here Wendigo. Wendigo. Yeah. Which is very popular nowadays. I was about to say lots of that in stuff now, um, which is an interesting discussion because often I I don't know if 
the Wendigo's ever been put on film. I could be wrong here by like a native filmmaker. Mm. I'm not sure. I as far as I know, the because I I'm thinking of um, what was that game we played? Until Dawn, right? Yes. Had the Wendigo in that it. That has Wendigo. That's... Crypt has a Wendigo. It, it's it's Native American lore. I forget tribe specific. Yeah. Uh, I hate just saying Native American, but uh, and that it has to do with eating other people, and uh, so a cannibal aspect to it. And yeah, I think it's probably become popular now because you know we've run through a lot of our classic horror tropes and figures, and I feel like recently someone came across. The Wendigo in their research made it, and then people were like, "Oh, this is a quote-unquote new thing." It's and not, they, yeah, but it's new to a lot of people, and so they're like, "Oh, let's make properties about it." Yeah, and what's interesting is this movie, weirdly, I think, is a bit closer to what the mythology actually is, and some of this newer stuff. Because in this newer stuff, you get the Wendigo as like this weird, like, like a creature. It's a, but it's it's not. That's I'm I'm literally just a cursory Wikipedia. Sure, like it, it's telling me that like uh. In films, they uh, films often label human beast hybrids featuring antlers or horns with mm-hmm. the Wendigo name, but such animal features don't appear in original indigenous stories. A man eats another's flesh. Uh, it's usually an enemy. And he um, takes uh, steals his strength, essence. He's, Spirit. Yeah, so during the journey, Toffler takes a little spill down the the hill. Oh, yeah, because he found a bone, and he got really excited. He thought he maybe found, like, a, I don't know, it was like a leg bone or something, and <laughs> Toffler gets too excited and falls. Um, and splits open his side, so he's got this gaping wound in him now. Yeah. And then that night, they're all sleeping in a tent, and then he wakes up screaming because he says Colhoun was licking at him. Yeah, like, ew. It's so gross, and Calhoun has to just be like, "Dude, I swear I wasn't." He's I like, know "I'm sorry. You- I was dreaming. I woke up. I was licking him. I'm sorry." Yeah, right. He's like, "I was having a nightmare, and I just woke up like this." You can restrain. Yeah, yeah. I, I woke up. <laughs> woke up like this. And like, boy, you know, Boyd is already really suspicious because I think right before this, he's talking to Calhoun, and he he asks if Calhoun felt stronger after eating someone. Did you feel it all physically changed? Stronger. I seem to remember something like that. A certain virility. Why does he ask that? Because the Wendigo story, or I think so. Oh, okay. I I think because George had already told them that that story. Okay. And it was just the and idea. They, of, you eat someone, you take their strength and yeah, spirit. you take their yeah. essence, and yeah. you just have the sensation, and you you grow stronger from it. So Void yeah. is like, um, how you feeling? <laughs> so they agree to just like bind his hands and lead him around on a leash. Uh, so yeah, that he George can't be calls. Licking- Calhoun a Wendigo at this point. He, oh, like, George does, him. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. yeah. I do like how uh, you got George here, and I don't know how much English he speaks, but he does seem to be treated as a a trusted source by even uh, Lieutenant Hart, yeah. who is the leader here. He, like, will look to George and be like, yeah? And George would be like, yeah. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like a, like, in my, I don't know a ton about, like, um, like earlier, I'm not like a huge American history buff, but it, from my understanding of like, n- you know, native relations with like settlers and stuff, that is like kind of the fucked up like pattern of history is like they're often very trusted sources of like information and their guides. And yeah, I feel like on an individual basis, there were many very positive oh, relationships absolutely. between settlers and natives. And then, and then as a systematic, yeah, systemic policy thing, we fucked them. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like this recurring pattern over where like the expansion of the United States, we relied so much on information from the people who lived here already. And then, yeah, but I don't know. That's what I kind of thought of when I thought of George. Yeah. Yeah. They get to the cave where Colhoun says that everything went down and he starts freaking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, why is he freaking out? He said he would go with them because when they were leaving camp, they were going to leave him there to recover. And he was like, no, I'll come and help you find it. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Fairly pointing out they wouldn't be able to find it, which, yeah. Yeah. America's very big. I like, I always like seeing the uh, chain of command in movies like this. I always like seeing like uh, Lieutenant Hart 
is the leader, so he's putting people in charge, but he needs an officer in the cave with all the, the privates, so, or, sorry, Captain Boyd, you have to go in there telling who to, like, stay outside and defend. I like seeing tactics like that. And then that creates such tension where it's like, I maybe know a guy who is in charge of me is a complete fucking idiot, but, but like, but there's, it's like what takes precedence here. It's always, it always makes for such good drama. Yeah. Yeah. So he sends in uh, Reich, who is the, the the soldier of the group he was described as he's the guy the blonde guy bathing in the river yeah and he's the muscle he's the muscle for sure yeah he sends in him with Captain Boyd and they go in they, they find, find like a, a hole they in find the ground a hole and I wrote that they should go in there and kiss each other yeah you really want these two to kiss there's just a lot it's it's that funny thing of like like Hollywood depictions of stuff where it's just like a bunch of dudes is that everyone's <laughs> always stupid handsome you know yeah. and it's that like dirty handsome and you know it's just i don't know it just always feels like you know maybe they should all kiss <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> so reich the private uh climbs in there with a lantern and he finds skeletons skeletons just skeleton city down there and there's baby like this crazy thick baseline that's coming in and it's this <laughs> cool like moody part of this movie that i really like and he finds that they've been eaten sure enough so the story was right but wait a minute this last body is a lieutenant's or a colonel's outfit. Yeah, so he's counting and realizing, wait a minute. They're all, they've all been it eaten. It doesn't add up. Yeah, everyone got eaten. So like, who's this dude? Yeah, so who ate them all? Oh, the guy who brought us here. It's a trap. It's a trap. They yell, it's a trap. And yep. they all scramble. First, Colquhoun uh, yeah, digs a, up a, a, a knife, knife that, that he, he buried. Yeah. And then he just goes nuts. He stabs Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, he shoots George. He shoots George and kills George. Yeah. And then he this this is Jeremy Davies being the coward again. He like Jeremy Davies has a gun and is pointed at and then uh Colin's just like run. And then he, like Jeremy Davies throws his gun down and runs cuz he's being a coward. Well, he shoot there's no bullet. Oh, cuz he already shot so, and missed. So what or? happened is is Colin goes to shoot Toffler and there's no bullet cuz Toffler's standing there like he knows he's going to get shot. Oh, so he's not a he's not. Oh, that's right. Yeah, let's give yeah. Toffler. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Colhoun's gun doesn't have a bullet. Right. Toffler's gun. He has a rifle. Oh, he does. Yeah. Oh, no, he's a fucking. Okay. This is what Jeremy Davies plays, man. Oh, he no. plays these types you of characters. You never want him in your. You do not want him your on your squad, dude. Yeah. You don't. So, so he just and yeah, just tells him like run. And he also goes, That's so annoying. That that line I'm like, no, I don't <laughs> sure, want this humor. Because yeah, it. it's when he fires and there's no ammo. He's like, That's so annoying. No, dude, this was a good twist. And I was like taken aback and it's horrifying. And then that's jokes. what I'm talking about. Is this fucking <laughs> fiddle and banjo music comes in. I just realized I should, I forget if we said, because I just got so on like a Damon Albarn hype train that the score's also, Mike, it's Michael Nyman, who mm -hmm. is like a class, and he's a composer. You look at his Wikipedia and it's like, notable works, movement for strings in <laughs> G, or like, you know, it's all shit <laughs> like that. And yeah. he's done a few, he did um, the piano. Um, oh. That, I think that's probably his most known, like he's only done a few film scores, um, but the piano, it's gotta be like his biggest one. But mostly just like he's a composer. So I'm assuming this part is Damon. <laughs> Maybe, dude. Although, you know, I, I think a lot of some of the stuff actually, um, I, I did do some digging into the soundtrack. So I was really fascinated by it. A lot of that stuff I think is Michael Nyman because he, um, I think I, I was reading somewhere that the, the like music in the beginning where it's like these old, it just sounds like it's old, it's renditions of like very old American music. is stuff that he did with basically the equivalent of the Portsmouth Symphonia, which remember it's that um, Portsmouth Symphonia is that orchestra where it's all people who either don't know how to play instruments or if you join, you have to, if, and you already play something, you have to pick an instrument, you have no idea. And they do that like thus fake Zarathustra cover that is like the funniest thing ever.
anyway, the soundtrack is falls to the wall weird. I, I hate but no, I think they're equally to blame for the weirdness. I'm not <laughs> letting like, Michael it, Nyman off the hook like, here. I love this part, and then that just ruins it for me because they're chasing after this guy who's just murdered a bunch of people and eaten a bunch of people. He kills Jeremy Davies. They find him with his like fucking yeah. intestines hanging out, and so it's it's Private Wright and uh, Captain Boyd. Guy Pierce chasing after him with a fucking fiddle music. I hate it. It's like that music that plays in Friday the 13th when Kevin Bacon and his friends are ro- driving yes. up. It's yeah. absurd. Yeah. So uh, Boyd gets backed up to a cliff and just fucking jumps after because well, Reich gets Reich knifed. Reich gets killed, yeah. And. <laughs> yeah. So, well, well, also important, Boyd shoots Calhoun, like right That's in the torso. Right. Yeah. I, although they say shoulder. Later, I think it's probably like it's yeah, like the pet like kind meaty of part of your. Yeah, shoulder. I thought it was like right in the middle of the chest. But in any case, he takes the shot, goes down, and then gets back up. He's fine. Yeah. So he's got some superhuman abilities to yeah. him. And uh, yeah, he basically just chases Boyd off a cliff. Boyd jumps. He fall. Okay, I don't know if, if any of you have seen Hot Rod, which is great. Which is like one of the funniest movies ever. Yes. There's a scene in that where uh, Annie Samberg fall. It's like he, it's it's a parody of Footloose, um, and he like falls down this like cliffside in the forest, and it lasts for so long, and it's so funny. Like it stops being funny, and then is funny again. That's how long it lasts. Dude, this might last longer than that. It might. Balloon's falling for so long, and he even picks up Reich like yeah. Reich is down there and he like starts tumbling with Reich's like dead body and Reich and, still has a knife in him yeah. and I'm just like oh no he's tumbling with a knife falling in him. together down it, it's and then they separate again and it's just Boyd tumbling again by himself it's it goes so on forever goddamn funny and mm. I don't even know if it's supposed to be funny I maybe it's just funny because it reminded me so much about it goes on for so long and yeah. they wind up in a like a little uh ravine yeah or cavernous little He's area tucked away yeah and it's it's enough to hide from calhoun when he goes looking for him but since he's stuck down there, he has to turn to eating him. Yeah, and his leg's all fucked up, too. Oh, yeah, he's got, like, a Boyd has leg, a yeah. bone stick. It's, like, his shin bone is sticking out of his leg. It's and nasty. I did have the thought that, like, poor Boyd, this is, like, the one guy you can't hide from by pretending you're dead. <laughs> yeah. He will just eat you. <laughs> He'll just eat you. Which I think is That's a l- funny. It is funny. I, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, he eats a little bit of Private Reich. Yeah, who alive. was alive briefly. He, like, tried to strangle him. Oh, yeah, it was one of those, like, <sighs> Yeah. yeah, it's dumb. I yeah, yeah. So, okay, Reich is dead. Um, and this is only, so this is about the halfway point of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like 45 minutes into an hour, 50 long, 50 minute long movie. Yeah. So, and already so much has happened. I know. So, so I was like, what else is going to happen? Exactly. Watching this? this, I'm like, what the fuck happens next? Well, Boyd goes back to the fort. And he gets there, and David Arquette's like, "Oh my God, it's Boyd!" Because David Arquette's yeah, David still Arquette's back. We thought that was gonna be the because we, we were like, be it. we were joking that he was gonna be the post credit scene where like everyone's gone, they've all been eaten by this guy, and David Arquette just shows up and is like, Guys, "Got the weed, got the weed, yeah." <laughs> so he comes back and- to the, like the the score where it it starts off like normal enough, but then you hear this sound that it just. Damon likes to use certain sounds in his music that oh. I, as soon as it comes in, it's like this like Casio keyboard sounding. No, I don't know what it is, but we both just started cracking up because yeah. it clearly is just him being like, yes, I know exactly what's going to make this sound amazing. <sighs> It's very high pitched. It's great. Very high pitched. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he gets back, and that General Slauson, who at the beginning was like, You're a coward. Yeah. Uh, He's there now, and he's like, Well, what the fuck happened here? Yeah, we sent you here, and what the hell happened? Yeah. And and Boyd tries to explain what happened, but no one believes him because they checked the cave, and there's no bodies there. Uh, Calhoun cleaned up. Yeah. And they're like, There's no evidence of what you're saying. And David Arquette and Martha were gone, so they never met this Calhoun guy. Major Knox, do you remember this Calhoun guy? Knox, who's always no, drunk, he's drunk, is like, no, I don't remember no Calhoun guy. Knox uh, s- tries to sober up 
now that the general's here and we get a little bit better sense of who he is as a person. Oh, apparently he's just the southern gentleman type guy. Yeah, he's this got guy. this kind of accent. Yeah, he's yeah. got the he's got southern the gentleman I'm just accent. a humble southern lawyer, you yeah. know. That. <laughs> hey, but I've never seen no Calhoun eating people. Yeah, he's got exactly. his, his little mustache. A lot of mustaches in this movie. Lots of good facial hair for Even sure. Even before, before I knew Slauson's name, I just wrote, called him General Mustache. General, yeah, yeah, for sure. But they're like, okay, well, now that you fucked everything up here, Boyd, we're gonna have to put a new guy in charge. Here, this is Colonel Ives. Yeah, look what? who it is. It's fucking Calhoun. It's that boy. It's Calhoun, who's actually Colonel Ives, he but he's all Ives, done yeah. up. He looks real good. And so now, so here's the thing with uh, this performance by Robert Carlyle. He first shows up and he's like scared, out of his mind, guy who almost starved to death. Then, after you find out that it was a trap and that he's he laid a trap for people and is trying to kill them and eat them, he's this crazed like lunatic who's chasing them and is all like sadistic. And now he's playing a third he's flavor Ives. of this role. So I think role. he was Ives the entire time. Yeah, he was Ives though, because in the flashbacks we never saw Ives. He just Ives, talked yeah. about him. And so uh, now he's he gets to play the more refined like military man mm -hmm. who is just like i don't know what this guy's talking about yes. but then when the two of them are together he's like i saw you ate that guy yeah how was it how do you feel great <laughs> you, like that, you like eating that guy oh man just gaslighting him this entire movie it's i know so people good. use gaslight and we overuse it but this is like a, a master class in gaslighting no because gaslight is is uh, i think it's more specific or than it's this. more it, you'd have to make boyd think like Oh, maybe did I imagine yeah. this whole thing? That yeah, would be okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. So they tell Boyd, like, look, you should just retract the story because you sound crazy and you know, just just, you know, take it all back and maybe we can still make things work here. Yeah. But Bo yeah, that <laughs> but I, I love when they bring in Colonel Ives. It's so good. Guy Pierce Pierre is just not okay. He just like falls down. He just falls. His like, knees just give out. He falls over. So now Boyd is having issues. He wants to eat people. He's having hallucinations of attacking and eating David Arquette. Yeah. When he's looking at him out the window. And when Ives uh talks to him confidentially and is like yeah yeah i'm that guy yeah he's like i used to have tuberculosis dude yeah i was all i had depression and yeah. anxiety and then i ate some people and i felt right as rain mm -hmm. he says a native guy told him that eating people he told him the whole wendigo thing so he killed and ate that native guy yeah. and then took these people out on that mission and ate them all up too yeah and now his skin is amazing oh yeah and he just he looks just really moisturized mm -hmm. and he's able amazing. to wake up on time without an alarm clock yeah for sure for sure <laughs> he's he's optimized dude yeah, he's, he's an a fully optimized, optimized man. man what is that oh that's from you yeah <laughs> i love the scene though when boyd is like no i swear it's this guy he should be shot through the shoulder and they make him take his he he like kind of <laughs> i don't know this scene like please sir we know this is a weird request but can you please take off your shirt and like he does he like bears his shoulders and <laughs> just, they're just like thank you for showing us your gorgeously tapered shoulders sir. you look amazing and yeah of course there's no wound or anything but he did the way he plays it is so like coquettish because he knows and you know that he's saving the shoulder he was shot in just to fuck, fuck with, with boy yeah. because he looks like he's he's saving it for last because like oh no that's the one he was shot in and uh, maybe they He'd get away with showing the other one, but no, he knows he's fine. He's just playing it up because he's a fucking asshole. And it's he's so like, I, I hope I won't need to cough for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and everyone chuckles. <laughs> so yeah, so now we got one of those games where Boyd knows that Ives is a bad guy, but everyone else is like, no, Ives is a good guy. He's the boss. And Boyd, you're the crazy one. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of like kind of picking people off. There's a lot of um, Ives just being like, come on, you know you want to. like." Yeah, he's like, all right, listen, man, you ate people, so now you're going to have to keep eating people. That's how this works. But if you do it, you're going to feel great. You're going to be super. You remember when you shot me and I don't have that wound anymore? That's because yeah. I ate people. But it's what's wild to me is like, Boyd is able to resist it, which speaks a lot to his like morality. Cause he even says like, I'm not doing it cause it's wrong. Like that's why I'm resisting is like, it's just straight up wrong. And the way that the, the kind of mythology of the Wendigo is explained, it almost sounds like it's an insatiable hunger where like once you eat people, you can't not anymore. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Boyd is able to kind of resist 
demonstrates like, no, there is some choice here. Um, granted, it basically is a life or death choice. Yeah, I feel like I, I don't know how explicitly it's spelled out, but my impression is that one, once you eat human to survive, if you don't keep eating human, you will die. I, that's what it sounds like is it's that's the only thing that will then nourish like, you pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that's why that's why also it has like shades of vampire to me. Yes. Where it's just like you, you have drink to blood now. drink blood now. Yeah. So David Arquette is killed very yeah. unceremoniously. They just kind of find his body, which that's a bummer. Yeah. He's on the roof of the barn. There's a bunch of dead horses in there. And Martha's very displeased about that. She is sent to go get reinforcements. So Martha yeah, exits. Yeah, poor Martha just sent on foot to I, go. I do like the moment where it's, I think it's Major Knox. He goes up to her and he's like, hey, one of us needs to go get reinforcements. And he volunteers and just the look on her face when she raises her <laughs> just hand. She sighs and yeah. puts her hand up. But don't worry, Martha, that's going to save your life. Yeah, no kidding. I think she goes to get Slauson because Slauson, like, he left. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's So nearby. they went to go get him back because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, now we got to just put Boyd in federal prison. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. so now it's just Knox, Ives, and Boyd. And sure enough, Knox gets killed. But not by Ives. Yeah. And there's, not by Boyd. There's an interesting edit where I did like this. Because at first I was like, wait, am I insane or did like another person kill uh, Knox? Maybe I just imagined it. Mm-hmm. Because the way it's edited is very fast. And it's like, that seemed like an impossible cut. But it would have been possible if there was like a third person. And it turns out there is. Because guess who's back? <laughs> <laughs> Just like his role in Deadwood, Jeffrey Jones, Jeffrey is, Jones back. is back. I did not expect this to happen. No, I liked this twist. He's also looking very hydrated and <laughs> yeah. skin cleared, hair very shiny. Because he had been stabbed, mm-hmm. but we didn't see him die. Yeah. So it turns out Calhoun went back to him and fed him some people and got him feeling better again, reinvigorated. And now they're part of the same club. And they, they kill Knox and they cook him up. And then Hart goes to talk to Boyd and is like, I we love this We want you line. to join our polycule is the vibes I he get He literally says, this. we want to bring you into the fold. Yeah. He's like, because I like you personally. We saw you from across the bar <laughs> and we thought we liked your look kind of thing. It's, yeah. It feels a lot like that. Join our club of eating people. And I like this dynamic too, because you have Ives who doesn't like Boyd. He, I think he just... Is like, okay, if we can get him to join us, then fine. He'll be a, a member of us. But Hart legitimately likes Boyd as a person. It's like, listen, man, I was going to die. They brought me back. You can too. It'll be cool. Like, yeah. it's pretty, it feels pretty good. And Boyd like, likes Hart as a person, but obviously hates Ives. Yeah, they represent like three very, in, in like, in terms of how they deal with their situation too because obviously Ives doesn't care he has no he loves it he loves exactly he's having a great time he's like this is America and it's manifest destiny and this is dope I love it um then you have Hart who um up till a certain point is like yeah no maybe this could be really cool and you you should join us but as soon as he's confronted by someone who he realizes has like a stronger moral character than him he's like instantly ashamed of himself yeah because he says he he always tried to do the right thing and look where it got him yeah i do think his he seems when he comes back and he kills major knox and he killed david arquette too he says as much uh, I think that those actions and his attitude when he is revealed as having returned, that seems like he's all in and like he's in with it. And then he he does another turn where he's like f- guilty all of a sudden. I think that happens too suddenly because it's mm-hmm. just it's him and Boyd because Ives is out doing something and it's him and Boyd together. And he's like, ah, you know what? This I'm actually I feel really bad. Can you just kill me real fast? It, yeah, it does happen pretty quick. Cause I, I can't, you know, I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh, I see that now he has has done like a face turn, but I don't know what prompted it specifically, and I wish I did. I think it was for me, it was just literally like realizing, oh, I do have a choice here. I think realize maybe he had lied to himself, like, well, no, this is just what my life is now, kind of thing, and it's it's cool, but realizing Oh no, there is someone who's being a bigger man than me. I think yeah. is it's maybe like an ego thing almost. But what's also weird is that it happens after Boyd does have some of that major knock soup 
just to keep himself from dying. Because yeah. Ives like stabs him and is like, don't worry, it's not fatal if you eat some of this people. And so he reluctantly has some just to survive a little bit longer. And then, yeah, after that, oh, it's weird. Because like Hart seemed all in when he was skinning Knox. Mm-hmm. Like Ives was like, here, you do this. And you see him in the background just kind of like idly hacking away at the skin. It's pretty funny. Yeah. But yeah, he, he eventually decides he doesn't want to live like this. And is like, here, Boyd, just kill me real fast. And he gets his throat slit. Take the knife. You have to do me a favor before you go. You have to kill me. So that kills him. And now it's down to Boyd V. Ives. Yeah, they just have this cool, like, they, they're just fighting like all over Like superhuman fight because they're just a little bit more powerful than an average human. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a whole roof falls in on Ives at one point, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I gotta say, the location of shooting this it's is fucking cool. cool. They shot in, I think, some Mexican mountains, and then in the mountains bordering on the border between Poland and Slovakia. Really? Maybe. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense geographically, but they, they filmed in like mountains, yeah. and especially in the scene when. Reich and Boyd chase down Calhoun mm-hmm. and they like corner him on that cliffside and there's all it's these amazing these yeah. shots of these trees and mountains is incredible and yeah. like it had to have been difficult to get all the gear and people out there to shoot I it. can't imagine and also it's just cold like yeah. that would be miserable but <laughs> it pays off and just how good it looks and that's another just weird aspect of this movie it's like there's there's money behind it like 12 yeah. million isn't a huge budget but especially in 99 that's Enough. It's enough, yeah. yeah. It, it's just another weird aspect of this movie. It's like a mid-budget. Uh, care went into it. It's still fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. Floyd stabs Calhoun in the stomach with a pitchfork. Yep. It's just like it's just a cool like vampire cannibal vampire fight a little bit. A lot of back and forth stabbing. Yeah, without it looking goofy, which is the thing. They yeah. could have pushed the superhuman stuff to a point where it looks very silly, but they don't. They just, you know, they they show enough hints of like um, I think one of my favorite it's not in this fight, but one of my favorite little things is at the beginning when we first meet Jeffrey Jones, he offers Boyd walnuts and he has to crush him with a book, but yeah. then he offers him walnuts again near the end. And he just crushes him with his hand. It's great. It's that was really great, good. Like, yeah. Introduction setup and payoff. <laughs> it's for sure. very good. Yeah. Um they they're like headbutting each other. <laughs> a lot um, of headbutts in this a movie. A lot of headbutts. Um they both end up uh basically Boyd falls on top of Ives purposely so that they both end up in this giant bear trap. Giant it's bear big, trap. Would it would it need to be that big? I don't know what that trap is for. It's like this it's like a That's it's like, like a shark trap mouth. or something. Yeah. yeah, it encompasses both of their bodies. It's nuts. Yeah. Uh meanwhile Slauson just showed up. <laughs> and he's tasting that soup, the yeah. stew. Well, the, I think they said their plan was to bring Slauson in yeah. so that they would have like a high-ranking general with yeah. them as well. And yeah, I love hearing about the plan. It's like, we're going to have this outpost and like next spring, a bunch of people are going to come out here for Manifest Destiny and they'll have to come here. We'll lead them up. I did like that monologue a lot mm-hmm. with Ives talking about how like this is the, it's America and it's amazing. We keep We keep expanding westward and there's just, People are going to come here looking for gold and we're going to be here to just, yeah, it, it's such a cool, like creepy. It's like, we're going to take over the country with cannibals. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I love it. Basically like, yeah. Using America's urge to expand westward against itself. Yeah. It's pretty dope. And then I also like how they're both in this bear trap at the end. And I like when Ives is talking about, well, I know that if you die first, I'm going to eat you. The question is, if I die first, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, are you going to resist or not? And Ives does die first, and then Boyd does not eat him. Yeah. And Boyd dies as well. And they die together. Without kissing, though. Not, they sorry, don't hon. kiss. And then they Martha, could've... like, looks, <laughs> finds him, and is just like, no. No. Nope. Just turns around and leaves. She leaves. I don't know if she leaves the whole... She. I would just... I, yeah. I think she probably figures, like... I don't know is, anyone left. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's out of there. I think she's donezo. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's that that weird tension we were talking, you know, where it's like, I can't fully trust anyone Yeah, here. like, the people who I knew and trusted are gone. Yeah. Now there's just, like, generals and shit yeah, who I, I don't know and don't know me. Right. Who fuck represent, this. like, the state. Yeah. I'm getting the fuck out <laughs> Get of here. The fuck out. Yeah. Especially because, yeah, they kind of, uh, Ives' plan maybe got, uh, got some, uh, went off because 
Like you said, the general was eating some stew. And yeah, he might have that taste for it. But the last shot is an overhead shot of the two of them dying together in a bear trap. And the music, like I said, is really good there. It's really good. Yeah, I love the the ending music. It's very creepy. Like there's a lot of really like towards the end, a lot of like kind of thrumming, repetitive Mm -hmm. music that is extremely percussive. Yeah, yeah, unsettling. It's good. I like it. I'm glad I finally got to watch this. I just had known about it for so long. It's just the one horror movie that Damon Albarn helped to score, which like that's so fucking cool. Yeah, I definitely say check it out if you like seeing unique movies. If you like historical, like. I mean, honestly, this isn't like a story, but movies set in another time period, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Western type. Um, I'm not like a huge like Western uh, set stuff. I'm not super into like the Old West. But if that's your thing, I feel like you would like if you like Red Dead Redemption, (laughs) you would like this a lot. Yeah. Very interesting movie. Dirty guys. I don't often see movies that I'm like, I I can't name much that uh, is similar to this. I think if this movie was like re-released, like you were saying by A24. Yeah, I think if like you made this exact movie now and it was an A24 release, people would go apeshit for it. Probably, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think it was. uh... Also, I saw that the summer it was released, unfair. Like you had Phantom Menace and like The Matrix and all kind. It just. I think was that ninety nine The Matrix. Ninety nine. Yep. Yeah. Just. It just drowned by all these other movies that and like it, it was fox too because fox was like just not even sure what the, you know i think they didn't have any faith in this so they kind of purposely buried it i mean it's a hard sell it is yeah yeah but, but if you're listening to this i bet you like it yeah for sure all right so yeah next week if people want we can do a paranormal pool party we're wrapping up the year it's been a good year we, we want to do a recap uh, kind of a year recap, a year in review video. So what are your favorite moments from the podcast for us to include in there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. make them as succinct as possible. They can't be like two minute long discussions, but any like quick little lines or things that stick with you from the podcast, any funny moments, uh, let us know. Because mm-hmm. we'd love to get those in a little year end wrap up. Merch is out. Yeah, I'll have the, I'm putting up the little graphic and then there's a link in the description for merch. People really like it. Cool. Yeah, I want to have a lot of more. Comments. I'm just, I'm planning we'll a wedding. We'll get more. We'll get more soon. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's not worry about it right now. I know. There's <laughs> too much. Yeah. <sighs> and uh, you can hit us up on social media at Dead Meat James on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And I'm at Carebeck, C-R-E-B-E-C-C on Twitter and Instagram. And that's that. So until, I guess until next week, mm-hmm. our last of the year and our last as an engaged It's so crazy. I'm Chelsea. And I'm James. And this has been the Dead Meat Podcast.